0: Welcome to The Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundrie. Welcome back. Today, I have an amazing guest who's been connected through me and our team and our, my friend network for a long time. We have the founder of Magic 5, Rasmus Barford, and honestly, so good to meet you. Good to see your smile over there. Glad you're smiling right now. and You're excited to be here.
1: I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. I think uh, over the past maybe three years, I've, I'd say exclusively been using these products and it, it's always been through. You're all sending me awesome stuff. I, I really haven't had to pay for much. So honestly, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. I've been able to help other athletes deal with a lot of swim issues with your goggles and your product, but you're more than, to me, it's more than just, a set of goggles. I think the history that you all have built, seeing you on Shark Tank, knowing where the innovation comes, and as somebody who's also trying to build something in this industry, I, I really respect it. So first off, you know, thanks for all of
1: your hard work to get your company to this point, to, so we can talk about it. Appreciate it. Thank you for for your support in that process and you making making it happen. It's uh, you you have to be lucky to team up with some good guys and yeah. that's what make it every make everything work doesn't come from by itself. You're right, and anybody who is sitting in that chair that you're in right now knows that the, the
0: level of legwork to get a team to work together is 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 pretty tough. Yeah, and it's never a static thing. <laughs> it's always so. Moving. So um, I. We don't have to go crazy into all these sequence questions. I do have some notes, but I think more than anything, it's valuable because a lot of folks don't get this opportunity to hear this from you is, you know, the history, the inception, this concept, and you don't have to go crazy in in depth, but I would just love folks to know, you know, how this idea of goggles being a major issue for all swimmers because fog leaks, quality control just pain um, this is an issue that probably most people still deal with. Um, how did it happen for you and how did you decide to make custom goggles
1: so it's um it's a good question and it it started back in late sixteen um but I think the the precursor to that and to give a little bit of context from what what was going on in my life before sixteen um i um when I was 18, I started my first company with one of my current co-founders. Um, or the guy who was also in Shark Tank. Um, he was uh, uh, kind of he developed that product, and I took it, scaled it up. But after four years, decided, hey, we're not gonna move this further. It was a SaaS product, B2B software that we sold. Um, it, was, it was a good business, but we were restricted to only operated in Denmark were driven by some legislation, so we were waiting on the whole European market to open up, and it never really happened. So we decided to scale it down. And then I worked for five years, boring suit and tie, uh, working with mergers and acquisitions in the chemicals industry and the media industry. Um, it was a good learning curve, but it was mm. also not for me <laughs> to be a, to walk around in fancy fancy clothes all the time. Um, And then one day Bo called me uh, and it's been a while since we had our first business together. Um, He called me and wanted some advice on goggles. Uh, He was training for his first Ironman. I'd done a few Ironmans at the time and and he was in this training camp in uh, Lanzarote um, and he forgot his goggles and then he couldn't find goggles at the training camp that was like bearable i think we've all been through that cycle of going through a lot of different goggles and then finding the least worst and kind of sticking to that and then you kind of create some weird relationship because you can stand that product um so he lost that product that he could stand and then he couldn't find any i couldn't really swim for two weeks so when he got back he called me um and he was like rasmus with goggles do you use I can't find anything that works. I've just spent ten thousand dollars on a bike, and I can't find goggles. It's just—it's so frustrating. Um, and I was like, "Well, I used these sweets sweets like Swedish goggles uh, because nothing really worked for me." And I was swimming with one of my best friends at the time. He was a pro swimmer. That's Nicholas, now our third co-founder in the Magic Five, and um, and I was lucky to swim on his team, um, with his team. I was way slower than they were, obviously, but uh, they all use Swedish goggles. So I was just like, well, that's what you do if you're a swimmer. So I did my Ironmans and my 70.3s and everything in sweets uh, because that's what I learned from from Nicholas. Well,
0: and just to be very transparent on what my understanding of the, the Swiss goggle is, it's literally just a piece of hard plastic yeah. that, that is just forced very yeah elastically it's <laughs> right in your eye socket like
1: pain it's terrible it's terrible it's like it's probably one of the worst products out there but on the other hand a really good product because it's super adopted if you look at competitive swimmers so look up like any uh like uh records from big swim meets and whatnot the vast majority of those guys wear the swedish goggles 10 bucks on amazon kind of thing right and but back to your question on how this came about you know bo had this problem when he was in training camp he asked me for advice and i was like well didn't really have a good answer then i we we sat down with nicholas the three of us and nicholas first reaction was well people use these swedish goggles because your face gets molded to it over time it's like what (laughs) that that doesn't make sense that's like the golden ticket right there we gotta uh, fix this exactly, exactly yeah and the interesting part, the ins- interesting like, let's say realization came after a few weeks where we then you know dived into the market and tried to understand like how many people swim, what does it look like. We obviously knew about the triathlon market because we were part of it ourselves. Um, we knew about the competitive swim market because Nicholas was competitive swimmer. He was he, he is a breaststroker and I am. He just Actually competed in the national championships in Denmark last that's, Friday. week awesome. He's still active, uh, uh, but you know doesn't train as much. Anyway, we, I think the interesting realization came when we were like, it swimming is such a big market when you look at how many people swim for fitness purpose, and then you add the triathletes and you add the competitive swimmers, and they all have that same. On fundamental problem that the first thing the reason why you wear swim goggles is that you don't want water in your eyes when you swim. It's like it's the number one thing that the product has to solve and we felt like okay the product doesn't solve the fundamental thing. We need to fix that. Uh, Then you can talk about all sorts of other things but it was like first things first. Let's make sure that don't leak and that they're comfortable to wear at the same time. And then we started looking into okay, well, how we're we going to do that. And that's and
0: that's, that's yeah. it. That's oftentimes like the coolest part of like that little snapshot when it finally clicks. Like mm. I feel like I think as a, I guess I'll say an entrepreneur, but once you finally have that kind of like gut feeling, like mm. there's a there's a product that is filling this puzzle piece within our industry and couple industries like it fits it perfectly this puzzle piece
1: yeah
0: and it's something that just in your stomach feels like i i know for sure if we do this well it will it solves a problem that everybody is going to connect with and want to get on board with so yeah. that's what i really see it what you guys were able to accomplish um and you know fast forward all the business development aspect the fundraising the tech the research and development how long did it take before i mean i'm sure there's probably still innovations now but between then and now what was like the time period between
1: this is our a great product how long did it take to get there so i think there was there were a few different phases that we went through um the first phase people might recall some people might recall that we did a kickstarter campaign to like get us off the ground. It's also, we needed some ammunition to convince our wives that we should move from Denmark to the US. So we kind of needed to test the waters and see that it was not just us who had a good idea, we thought, but that someone was actually interested in the market. Um, But before we did the Kickstarter campaign, we had to uh, lay the foundation of our technology. We had to be sure that, okay, if we get enough customers and get enough data on people's faces, we can do this. So we started out by first developing the scanning technology right, that actually allows us to get the data of your face. No, that was not a commoditized technology. We could go out and license in the market. So we had to develop that from scratch. Um, Then we had to develop the, this is like very, it's pure RD, right? It's not like we are. Uh, building a new type of website or it's it, starting on a whiteboard and thinking okay mathematically how do we how do we do this and how do we then develop a code that can do it um, so the fitting technology basically goes in and or understands how should I position the goggle on Nicks face yeah. on Rasmus's face and someone else's face that fitting technology is dependent on data so the more experience it has in Placing goggles on someone's face and getting being told did a good job fitting technology, the better job it will do, right? You call it uh, machine learning or whatever, uh, but it's basically a data question. The more experience, the the better product you get. Um, the first two thousand customers we got on Kickstarter, they didn't get a good experience. One of they the things that... they were pissed. they were not like directly pissed but I would say we so the really good thing about the Kickstarter community is that it's probably the best type of customer base you can get from day one if you want to build something innovative because every most of those customers have that mentality that hey we're part of developing something new this is a, a baby step for the product and those customers really want to give feedback so we actually ended up Uh, sending a second pair of goggles to those guys at basically no cost and, you know, getting a lot of feedback. Um, But that was kind of the first phase, getting that foundation in place.
0: Well, real quick too, question. Do you still have contact with customer number one?
1: Um, No. Sometimes you can. So I think technically customer number one was we launched the Kickstarter campaign we, we launched it back in Denmark, actually, at a big event where all the pro Danish swimmers and some guys from Sweden came came down. So I'm pretty sure that those very first Kickstarter customers were friends, foes and families. Right. But yeah, uh, but um, uh, we do have some we have we have a fair bit of Kickstarter customers who are like on Goggle number 25. There we go. And, yeah. Uh, there's a guy called Joe who, is, who lives further out in Long Island. Um he uh, like he's uh, um, a um process production engineer for a big chemicals company. Um and he's like the amount of feedback that he has given on how we could do QA, how we could do this, how we could do that, it's just like tremendous. That's it's, it's uh, just free advice from a very good source. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah. But I think um so, it's kind of that whole first phase, develop the technologies, like being able to deliver and fulfill the products. When we reach customer number 20, 30,000, that's where we started really to see a tipping point in, okay, now the amount of goggles that we refund because we say, hey, we can't, I'm sorry, we can't make a product that gives you a wow experience. That got down to like around five, six, 7%. Um, and that was kind of a that's where we started to look at the data and said okay now we have a foundation that's that's really big now we're on customer 100 number 185,000 uh, and we the refund rate that we give because if people don't like the fit is 2, two 3%. so in business terms it's nothing uh, it's a, a it's a level that we're super, super proud of. Yeah, I
0: would, I would like to see the return rates of other massive companies. And you're probably in a great spot considering customer service. And I know somebody within your customer service department, they do a fantastic job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I think uh, that process that you've vetted over and over again through all these customers. And, and I think that was probably one of the things I had heard through just talking to people about the magic five, like, what has your experience been? And I know there's man, there's just got to be ups and downs with production and reliability. You guys had some nose piece issues that you've mm-hmm. squared away, you've moved production facilities. Um, yeah. and, and, and this all this shuffling just must be just so much work,
1: yeah. And and you could say it's um, if you took a, all the products that we sell and ship, custom made, so we have someone who physically takes the goggles and custom make them by using a robot, right? And it's a um, it's a super lean and mean production machine to make swimming goggles, but it's still a custom process, right? And it requires a lot of tenacity and blah 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 blah. Then from a QA and and, and the business side of it, my our task is to make sure that we implement structures and everything to catch If there's any issues, or make sure that we've the anomalies. Yes, exactly. But they're always going to happen when we when we get hundreds of customers each day. If I refund two or three percent, it's four to six customers who didn't have a good experience, who might go on Facebook (laughs) and complain or whatever. And that's part of operating and driving uh, the business. Then we are lucky to have an amazing customer service team. but it's always gonna be part of the business. Um, yeah. I'd say that the whole customer service and uh, we have a deep dive process if someone doesn't like, the, if they don't get the, that wow experience, mm-hmm. um, then we ask for feedback and like, where did it leak? That process seems cumbersome and like, how why do we wanna go that far for a $50 product, a $60 product? But for us, it's really, it's the way that we best understand where and when doesn't the technology work? Or why didn't the scan come in in the quality that we wanted it to come into? So for us, it's that it's a very qualitative way of getting the feedback and help us improve the product. Um, I I think
0: right now that's probably the, the best part about what you all do for your customers. And we have a similar, other i guess there's similar things in the industry that just the triathlon industry that are becoming very custom made whether it's your front end or your your aero bars measuring specifically molding shoes molding feet and within what you're doing i love it because at no point are you like i'm sorry we just can't fit a goggle to your face. You're like, "Let's do a 100 scans and let's figure yeah. out how we can make this work." And this is <clears> an investment because our technology can adapt to you, we can adapt to the next person and solve a problem before it's even happening. And I think that's probably where there was a lot of stumbling and now you've got critical mass where you're like, "Because I think even a couple times um the the product being so you know, it's it's a weird space, right? Because you're making a custom goggle and in the in the customer's mind, they're like, "Well, when I get the goggle, it should just be perfect. I shouldn't have to do anything." But with any product, there's also some still how you fit it personally. If mm-hmm. you, I always take my nose piece and I go to the minus one nose piece. So yeah. I so that always has made sure that nothing's been a problem because I have a, a bit of a narrow bridge, so it brings it yeah. just a little bit closer where the where it didn't quite get into the socket. So that's yeah. where I think customers also have to understand what you're doing is getting them 99.9% of the way. And they've just got to make sure that they use the goggle properly. And honestly, just to kind of pat you all on the back, like in the pool, invisibility, in the open water, fogging, anti-fog, like I have been fortunate enough to be with you all long enough to know that like, I'm not going to be running a pair of goggles for like, six months at a time. I'll probably run a set of goggles for like a couple of months, then I'll race in it, and then I'll use it back in the pool until mm. it's deteriorated. But I honestly haven't put a set of goggles through the total to where I'm ever throwing them away. I just kind of like recirculate them. Or with your new anti-fog product, it's not really mm. new, but it's just more on the front lines now.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll use that like two or three times for one mm. goggle in the week. And then like the goggle readapts to that that barrier that's put up for anti-fog and it's yeah. pretty much never foggy again. So yeah. for me, I think it's the customer also has to understand, like, you've got to be part of this product. It is yeah. very vital. Just like you're cleaning your bike, just like you take care of yeah. your gear. Like this is a gear uh, aspect that you need to invest in after you buy it because with your time and, and maintenance, cause it's just not saying you take care of your gear and it'll take care of you. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, it's, it's a funny thing that we see too that it's uh some like few of the customers that we that we get they they expect to get a product and then they can use it for the rest of their life but you know it's a um uh, when i swam a lot when i did triathlons now i don't swim that much anymore i swim called week. weak uh if can't mess up that if, hair, man if family and kids allows it huh <laughs> uh, but um uh, Like I would change my goggles probably every six months with the amount of swimming that I did. Um, And yeah, it's, uh, it's just uh, the natural part of it. Uh, Even those hard plastic cups would have to be changed once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I have a bit of a question about the goggle industry as a whole, as a whole, as we know, there are some big names making goggles. Um, They have been for forever and when a very, small company with a very custom product comes into this very dominated market. To me, it feels like the eyewear market where most everything, even all the smaller brands have some stake owned by like an Oakley company, even the company that owns Oakley. So did you experience hard times getting shelf space or, I mean, I know you can't really put yourself in the modern swim store, like just a goggle on the shelf, but did you experience any pushback from the players at hand like hey don't disrupt this market man we've been doing this for a long time (laughs) we're selling shitty goggles to everybody and they don't haven't caught on yet has anyone come at you
1: um no not really to be honest i i also think that the that the players in our industry is um uh there's not that many players if you look at the Compared to, if you look at Europe and the US, every year, seven, 70 million goggles are sold, 7-0. It's a lot of products, right? Yes. It's just a low value product. So the market is not that big. Um, the big players have been, very, we have talked to all of them. We are, I think, really good terms with them. And that's that's them really good. And they have, we haven't experienced anything negative from them. I think one of the things that's been a challenge for us because we are focused on our core product. We're not trying to turn into a swimwear brand with speed suits and speedos and all sorts of things. Now we have a few accessories on the sales now, but that's um, uh, it's relatively simple products, right? Um, the challenge that we've had is that when we've gone to swim teams, not triathlon teams, but swim teams, we we come with like, one or a few pro- products in the package, right? Where if you're a Speedo, you'd come with 30 products in the package. So there's there's been some natural, I would say, barriers in working with some of the swim teams that need speed suits and everything. But we haven't experienced any hostility or anything, to be honest. Uh, I That's think we have, We'd rather experience the opposite, like interest from the bigger brands saying, hey, it's it's a really interesting way that you are able to make a custom product, sell it for 60 bucks, which to them is nothing, right? Um, and then still make money on the product. Um, yeah.
0: Um, so your tech is so very much what they're like, wow, this tech that you've developed. And, and I think, I, I want to dive into the Shark Tank thing real quick. Yep. Um, but yep. the, t- the tech is really what allowed you to do so well with Shark Tank. And that's probably what these companies see is like the pivoting point that they just, they're years behind now.
1: Yeah, and and I, you know, it's also it's um, different companies are good at different things. And the big, big sports brands, uh, whether that's Speedo or Nike or Adidas, and they they are really really good at brand and logistics and making sure there's amazing standardized products at an affordable price, right? Um, but they are not uh, focused on developing new technologies like Mm -hmm. a face scanning app or a fitting technology. It's other things that's on their radar.
0: Yeah. Those companies are more aligned, ready to just cannibalize a product and turn it into a new sexier Mm. looking thing that hasn't really changed much. The shoe industry is guilty of that exclusively. And then they probably rely on companies like you to innovate, push the market in a new direction. And then they jump on the bandwagon and sell, tons of units so but with what yeah. you've done they can't even do that so that's yeah. pretty cool um it's, so yeah. so to, to the shark tank point obviously it, m- i don't know how many how long ago was it was it a
1: year a year and a half it was, uh, it's two years ago actually. two years yeah time flies so
0: so it does fly and especially time like just has this big black space during COVID. like i don't remember much that happened specifically i know things happened but i can't remember any it's like a big blackout area so i think surviving covid19 you all maybe were in a better position because people were swimming a lot and trying to get outdoors i i mean i i I don't know maybe was covid challenging or was
1: it okay um uh, it was super super tough and everyone Mm. in swimming everyone most other like uh Running and cycling, like just went to the moon. Things yeah. exploded, right? Um, swimming was different because pools were closed, yeah. so people who had access to an amazing open water location could swim. Everyone else were just kept out of swimming. So our uh, business was like it was. Twenty nineteen was the first time where we really started to see momentum <laughs> behind our marketing efforts, and you know we've never been. A heavily funded company, we've always tried to bootstrap our way through everything. Um, so it was the first time we started to see momentum. Uh, I think we'd start, we just started to work with Ben Canute, who was our first athlete that we started to work with. Uh, started working with. Um, and then it was just like a drop off a cliff. Like growth, 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 growth to nothing. And it was instantly, it was crazy. It felt like someone pulled the plug to our website. It
0: was like the stock market just
1: was, was gone. Yeah, it was crazy. So um, we like we weren't, okay, what the F are we going to do? Like, uh, how do we... No one knows what this is. I, I lived on... Uh, I still live in New York, but in Brooklyn now. At that time, I was in uh, Hudson Yards, 10th Avenue, 37th Street. If people don't know where that is in Manhattan, it's... Pretty fancy. Basic 300. No, it's so that part of town was not fancy at the time because Hudson Yards was being built, so it was a big oh. construction site. So it was actually the opposite. But okay. we got a my wife and I got a great unit that we could live in. Anyway, it was the epicenter of COVID, right? Okay. We had ambulances going down to the Javits Center, dropping off dead people, and then going back into the city finding more. It was, it was crazy, and we were like in the middle of this and thinking, how do we, what do we do to move forward? So what what we were like uh, dived into was that we uh, PPE was the main was one Perfect. of the big challenges at the time, and we at that time we had an inventory of all the base things that we need to make the goggles. So we're like, okay, let's go out and try to see if we can get that in the hands of paramedics. So we ended up donating six seven hundred goggles. To EMT workers, mostly in New York City, so we had we were actually covered in New York Times and that stuff that brought up like how EMT workers drove around in New York with our goggles on. They had no SP part of the PV package. They didn't have anything, so they were like, "It's better than nothing." Right now, it sounds crazy, but back then, no one knew what how dangerous, how contagious. Like yeah. it was just. More PV, the better. So that actually like created a sense of purpose for a couple of months while it was at the height, um, and that initiative like it felt good. We made a tiny difference, and it helped us. Really helped us to get through. Uh, COVID period yeah
0: yeah I've my one of my I should probably get this tattooed on me somewhere but like crisis precipitates change it's one of my favorite things that reminds me like you have to really go through some shit if you want to come out the other end really strong sharp and ready to dominate so it obviously you you survived it helped Mm. and then you know you've you've gotten more notoriety for doing better things for for more people out of the goodness of Mm. whatever you could do so that's crazy good uh, that you all have that ethos within the brand mm-hmm. and then you know the sh- back to the shark tank thing because I, I still want to make sure we get a little bit of that uh, how, mm-hmm. how was like was that really what can you talk about some quick show things because i've like actually who hasn't thought about i want to take this on um, shark tank i've got yeah. this this cool thing that goes in your hair and it fixes all these problems let's go sell it oh, so you all had an opportunity to go on this show and scheme and prepare and know that you're going to be seen by hundreds of millions and mm. all all kinds of stuff. What was that build-up process like? And was it very demanding into like, we got to make sure our business like is good or we're going to get roasted? Um, mm. you know, how was that pass-fail stress? And what was it like to get on that show?
1: So it was, um, uh, how do I structure my thoughts? Um, we were not nervous on anything that pertains to the business or our numbers or performance or um i think we um we know what we're doing we have the um, uh uh it's not like you can ask us a question and we don't know what our cost of goods sold is or like we we have all that
0: yeah, yeah. You, you 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 weren't one of those those people on there when they're like, so how do you do this? And you they're just like you're in the headlights. You guys had yeah. answers for everything.
1: Yes, and so we were not nervous about that part. But um, I think the feedback that we got from the production crew in Shark Tank is um, or was very telling to the for, for our experience, which was um, you guys are from Denmark. And we can sense that the business mentality for Danes, or these two of you, is a little bit different than what it is in the US. You have to be way more out there. You have to talk way louder. You have to sell yourself way harder. And you need to feel like pretend you're dominating the world when you're on that show. Yeah. Otherwise, you will fall through. And that's very on Danish. It, we're way more subtle and way more like what you see is what you get. and... We're not trying to sell things that we don't have, yeah. right? Um, so, so that was that was that was what we were most concerned about. Like, right? are we gonna go there, stand and look like two great guys who, like, yeah, we might know our business, but it's just so boring to look at that. You're like, you're business. like, we have to hire an acting coach for this. Yes, so that we actually did that almost like mm-hmm. one of our partners. she uh, hooked us up with a. Um, yeah, with a coach that helped us for a few days. Like, this is how you talk in sound bites. This is how you do that. This is how you, and this is your posture and bump, all those types of things. Then um, we got to LA. We got in the studio. Like, it's in Sony Production Village. It's a huge hangar. Like, the hangar next to it, they might be shooting some crazy blockbuster movie. And then wow. you go and you have all the actors going in and out. And then you, go one lane down and that's where you go in and we had no idea how big the setup was there were maybe like 100 people at set makeup one makeup two, makeup like this process that process when this whole sounds you do this and it's very very intense uh and um we were we were pretty much blown away uh Oh, wait, okay. real quick.
0: Were you like yeah. set in any point in a room with like other people who were going on the show too and just watching them lose their minds? Yeah, so we, so the, um,
1: um there were a good chunk of companies that were pitching on the same two, on over two days. Half of them, the one half, day two. And we were second company on day two. So we were in the waiting room before we could walk up and set and do our thing. Um, so it was—it felt like, uh, okay, company one go up pitch. You guys are ready. You might be up in three minutes if they're gonna be if they will be left out of the tank, or you might be up in an hour, and then you're just sitting there waiting. Okay, when is our time? Uh, so yeah, yeah the, the steam room—that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was crazy, but um. <laughs> Hey, we're lucky it went well and they um they saw the value. They they identified
0: your I I don't I didn't go into that episode thinking they would be so enthusiastic about the tech because in my mind once they once they made that point too, I was like how many people do have scanning software? Like it can't mm. be a lot. I don't know if you guys have patented that process or if you have rights mm. to it or not, but it seems like
1: how many Things so, can you put on your face, custom anything? Nothing. And that, that was the interesting bit. And I think one of the things that they also, particularly Mark and Niravtolia caught on to immediately was the scanning software is one thing. That's interesting, but that's something that um, there's a lot of techno- different types of technologies around the scanning. But look at the scanning as it's just the way we get the data it's everything that ha- happens after that. So our fitting technology that goes in and understands the data and how do you then position a goggle to your face or a helmet to your head, that technology and that process happens automatically. And that was a tricky point for them because other companies that try to do custom whatever based on a scan, they can they can do use somewhat the same scanning technology as we have, But then they manually go in, look at the data with their eyes, and try to fit something on your face or your feet or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Our stuff happens automatically, and that's where you can start to scale things. Yeah. So our our fitting technology can handle uh, 2,000 goggles that we sold in Black Friday, and it does it like this.
0: That's crazy fast.
1: So we, like, not literally like this, but very, very quickly, right? Um, And... That was the trigger point when they saw that and they were like, okay, if you can do goggles, something that fit very meticulously in, inside of your eye socket, then there's so many other products that you could fit. Like, I, I heard, so that, I heard
0: one of the big um, products that you all have been told that you should do custom is probably like a CPAP machine, um, mm-hmm. just because the face mask is always causing problems for users who have to sleep with that all night long, so... The yeah. applications for what you've already done are are quite scalable,
1: yeah, yeah exactly, and that is um you know that's what we're excited about. it's also what the partners in the companies uh what the company is excited about that um how do we how do we take this from a goggle product to a goggle company to something that uh where 10, uh, ten twenty years down the line we have thirty products on the shelf where those products have a very, very clear, unique selling point around customization, creating a better fit, creating a more comfortable product, or maybe a higher performance product because it simply fits better.
0: Um, I mean, the, the question is like, what else can you scan and customize? I mean, what's next? Like, that, it's anything.
1: And I think it's, you know, it's uh, um, it's uh, uh, basically anything, right? So the question is just, what should we do? And what should be prioritized, and that's mm-hmm. a hard question, um, and, and 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 something that we're spending a lot of time on. Uh, yeah, and
0: and of course, yeah. that's the that's the future. That's that's way ahead. Um, but mm-hmm. current currently, I think with you've you've identified a hole in the in the industry. Mm-hmm. You've worked tirelessly. You've made it through COVID. You've pitched on Shark Tank. You've gotten to a level of success where I think the industry understands where you're not going to go anywhere and you're obviously successful. So mm. it's kind of like now, I think there's a point where you're all like, what else can we do? Low level, low hanging stuff to be more valid in this space. And that's where I wanted to kind of deviate the differentiation between swimmers, mm. peer swimmers, pool swimmers, competitive swimmers, and triathletes. How are you navigating those two markets and, and are they significantly
1: different? um the, they are uh they are significantly different in the uh for, for a few different things one one thing is that triathletes are as a uh not the not the athletes i'm not thinking about the athletes but the triathlon market people are much more inclined to try new things spend money in gear it's a big part of your ironman journey or 70.3 you get excited about your new helmet or even your new fresh white socks or whatever it is right um Swimmers have a different approach to the sport. It's much more a minimalistic approach where they pride themselves that you don't need that much to participate, right? The speed suits that was a big thing. I think it was in an '08, uh, the Olympics. Yeah, then uh, they had to ban a bunch of those. Band, right? And probably for good reasons. But it's a, it's just a completely different mentality around product and gear. I think for us, uh, we, we're focused on triathlon triathletes and and competitive swimmers um the bulk of the market is in the recreational market your average ymca pool goer that's where them with the the most with the most customers basically um but triathlon is great it's a community it's people talk uh, it's uh people train together uh yeah so no no
0: real pros and cons of each, it's just different because triathletes probably a better test market than swimmers who you're probably gonna have to really absolutely prove that they need this above a pair mm-hmm. of pain, yeah.
1: painful, terrible Swedish goggles that they yes, have right. come to love. The main difference, or mm-hmm. the main difference when you look at the sport and the is that swimmers love to swim. Yeah. I at just love to bike and run. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And swimming might not be the favorite thing. To me, I've never understood that. I always loved swimming. I wasn't a swimmer. I was also lucky that it came relatively easy to me. But um the feeling of plunging in, like the tranquility, the the calmness, uh can also be bloody hard, but it's very rarely is more than an hour and thirty, right? Mm. And most of them are an hour or less to be honest for most try for, for most of us mortal human beings might <laughs> might not be for Daniel Begegaard or Mark Dubrick or Fodano or Canoe. Hey,
0: I'm, I'm like, not I'm only a couple minutes off of it, man. Give me some credit. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But, but you know, those guys they, they they do swim a lot, right? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um but I like I think it's I think it's somewhat a shame that swimming is not not like a, uh, uh is not positioned as a uh more exciting thing in in the triathlon space Uh, yeah it's more of like a
0: culture that just loves to complain about stuff triathletes do love to complain and i think the lowest hanging fruit is oh i gotta get up early i've gotta drive someplace i've gotta be cold uncomfortable but then when you are swimming and you're in the group and you're underwater it's Mm. very pleasant but i think it's just the extra steps
1: but and I think one 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 thing that we're trying to do through some content that we, some of the content and education stuff we do online, we're not moving into like uh, the video and content business and wanna sell you coaching packages at all. That's, uh, we'll not do that. But what we really believe in, and I think this comes from the swimming side of things. I, I've been on a, sw- I've been swimming more on a swim team than with triathletes. Um, put put things in perspective. I'm uh, 50 minutes on an Ironman-ish on that's, the swim. That's perfect. I've, I I don't think I like the amount of times that I've done a uh, three times one k. That I don't think I've ever done it. All my swim sessions are uh, 20 times 50 minutes. These drills, this that you know it. It's like a swim team where there's much more play and you have a lot. You have tons of different exercises that you do. It's not just crushing lanes. Of course, you need some distance. Of course, you need some 500 meters, or you need some intensity after 30 minutes. And you know, but it's it's much more like the playful part of swimming that I love. And I don't understand why triathletes don't do that more. Right? Right. Go in, do, do, do dolphin kicks in the water. Spend 20 minutes and doing uh, catch drills in the front. <clears throat> Here and at the back will make you a way better swimmer, right? Uh, you, are,
0: you are speaking my language because I was, I was a master's coach in Florida for two or yeah. three years coaching all kinds of adult swimmers, which is yeah. very difficult. And for yeah. me, it's the same concepts that you're talking about right now. Like swimming doesn't have to be just 10 by 800s and terrible. Yeah. It has to be very versatile
1: so it when i i have my my swimming i have two kids the business to run my swimming is really like highs and lows right i'm off for six months where i don't hit the water and then i'm back in for six months and then i i swim pretty off three months maybe and then i swim intensively right um the first thing that i'm always after is the feel of the water, exactly. the water feeling, and i don't bother spending more than 30 minutes until I feel like okay now I'm getting it now I can feel the water and then I can ramp up my sessions right and yes. swimming is way more about that side of it the technique the feel of the water your positioning than what does your swim pro, like what does your swim set look like what are your times boom boom again those top level guys dubrick uh, Canute, fodeno the really good swimmers they want to know where they are on the 500 meter or the 1k or how, how do they feel For all the rest of us, if we want to have a good experience in the water, it's not about the pacing or how fast you go on your hundred meter. doesn't matter. It's a feeling. Then you yeah. will go faster, right?
0: It's that feeling.
1: So you need all the tools to make swimming fun and make it enjoyable. Then you'll be a better swimmer. Yeah,
0: that, that makes sense. And then, having an ecosystem that supports that eliminating problems, mm. like having to stop at the end of every 50 mm. or hundred and lick your goggles and put them back on, or every rest set, you're just f- fumbling with goggles, fumbling with goggles. That was the other part of being a master's coach where I was like, how many times can you act like you need more rest? Cause you're just fumbling with your goggles. Like yeah, yeah, I know, that. I know the goggles yeah. you could, I've seen barely your eye socket through the fogginess of your goggle. How are yeah. you seeing underwater? Like, terrible
1: yeah exactly so that's
0: that's fantastic like the inception of this this product the your personal founding views um as to how this is going to work you've got a knowledge and know-how the markets the swimwear market is huge obviously that's going to continue to grow as more people get familiar with this and eventually have you ended up being able to work with any swim teams on on a whole that every swimmer is pretty much like We've all got custom Magic Fives. We're yeah. we're pretty
1: cool. So yeah, we definitely we work with swim teams. Uh, we have more triathlon teams, but we also working with swim teams. Uh, where I think if you've gone to the Danish Championships last weekend, you see a it, lot of the Magic Fives. Have uh, we seen them?
0: Are we going to see them in the twenty twenty four Olympics?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I yes. don't know how many we have, like confirmed athletes at this stage. It's still pretty early for the swim for the swimmers to be qualified at this point. But we have uh, Kasia Vasek, polio swimmer. She swam all her life in the US. She has the second fastest 50 meter freestyle time. Whoa. So, like, she's a fast. so good. any triathletes would like she could uh she could out um, you underwater just by kicks yeah right? just seeing it's, the uh, times that these pro swimmers
0: do versus what yeah. we do i'm like well, yeah. man i killed myself for a a, a double o for a hundred yards and yeah, they're yeah. like 48 like,
1: the best thing would have been to throw her into the mix when uh when mark <laughs> wanted to uh to to do that stop with yan on the and <laughs> the race right if she had been there they would have looked like uh High school kids. Yeah, let's do sure. a real swim. Yeah, that, exactly. But um, yeah, we do have some Olympic athletes confirmed. Um, I, um, I think we are two or three at this stage. Um, That's great. But uh, I'm, I'm sure there will be more.
0: Yeah, the athlete buy-in is the most valuable asset you all have. You have for sure t- taken, in my opinion, some of the best triathletes and giving them goggles and they love them i mean ben Knut's a good friend and i know he's been on them forever um you know daniel has been a great advocate excuse me through all your advertising and even is lauren brandon still part of the crew yeah Yeah, also like one of the best female swimmers out there so you've done well to position yourselves amongst the elite within our sport who are swimmers who obviously love the products um but goggles aside um, te- you've just been launching some other additional training gear. Um, you know mm. what is the theory besides getting more gear out there that is not custom and some swim tools? Mm. Because so it- just, pre- just real quick, like my, like these things are all are everywhere, and mm. you can go to any pool and find them. Um, yeah. So what? Where's the drive, and people will buy this? How's that looking?
1: So there's it's a good question, and honestly, it's been uh it's been something we've talked about every six months since we started should we do should we add some accessories to our offering standard accessories um and we have refrained to do it because our ethos and our brand is around the customization so if we started to introduce other things too early it would be confusing hey what is this company right now we feel like we are at a stage where we can add these standardized items our snorkel has some unique features to it that we developed it with cash up sorry that uh olympic swimmer uh, but those are like very finicky details for swimmers you can rotate the snorkel while you wear it which is good when you're at the end of the pool but um the accessories the rationales were uh, a few things on the business side of things but i wanted to start out with For the swimmers and for triathletes, I would never go to the pool and have a session where I didn't use all of these items. I would, I always use a kickboard. I always use a pool pool boy. I always use my finger paddles. I never use the big ones. Uh, You don't want to um, get too jacked. No, and like I, I just get (laughs) shoulder injuries from it. So, and the small ones helps you with your. with your uh, catch and your feel at the entrance point of the water. So it's it's just a really good product, the finger paddle. It's probably, don't tell anyone, but it's probably the easiest win for any triathletes to become a better swimmer and save time. Oh, no, no, no. Triathletes,
0: if, if we're going to have the best paddle for quote unquote triathletes, we got to have a, a, a paddle that is as big as your chest nope. that you barely can pull through the water. Doesn't make any
1: sense, but nope. it's the finger biggest paddles. and best. Yeah, but the, the 20 buck finger pedal that's your biggest like it's gonna yeah it's yeah anyway that's a different discussion I, yeah I,
0: I think that you're on point and I'm just just pointing fun at the, the way triathletes
1: sing. It's like if it's not the biggest and the craziest it's not gonna work no no exactly it's probably <laughs> the same guys that goes disc wheels when they average it's like 20 miles per hour but that's Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, these accessories were like for us the the bait like you can't go to the pool without this stuff Otherwise, you don't have like a quality session, and it's not fun. I think it's fun to do swim with my paddles and snorkel and do different things. And then we would just, okay, let's offer our customers to buy it with us instead of jumping on Amazon and buying through them. Yeah, make that's, it a bundle, yeah that's That's the simple part of it. And for us, you know if someone if people buy products for like 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks more when they take out. It's a huge difference to our metrics. Yeah, the the margins change quite a bit. Yeah, and then it's also the visibility of the brand. Uh, Our goggles do look distinct. like the design, but it's not a Canyon bike with a big fat Canyon logo on the side. So it's also a way for us to get the brand recognition out. And um, yeah, we introduced them a few months ago, and we sold out way too quickly. So we are out of most of this things right now uh so we are trying to get new things home as quick as possible but that's, but that's good a, it's a first world problem Let's put it of course and, and
0: congratulations on that going well i know that's probably a big risk and it's a lot of investment to to have yeah. all this stock so i'm glad it's going well I, I i agree every what i usually do when i onboard triathletes is i have to say send me a picture of your shoes your your bike trainer, your bike, I want to, because it's virtual, I I don't understand usually what they're using. And then when I asked to see their swim tools, oh my gosh, sometimes I'm just like, what, why is that so moldy? Like what is happening with, why are those fins like diving fins? What are we doing here? So I think standardizing some triathlon centric tools um, and the Mm -hmm. ones that you have, the snorkel, I think is probably the biggest things a swimmer can learn Mm -hmm. from once. And also it teaches you how to Just a quick, I guess, tangent, because it does put a little claustrophobia on a very beginning swimmer. It feels like, how the hell am I going to do this? Um, But once you overcome that and you can learn to swim and figure out relative synchronicity from left and right side, man, the snorkel is such a great way to just get in the environment with a little stress. I heard even, and one of my athletes told me this, who has um, Meniere's disease. So he gets like a really vertigo experience anytime he has like a, some water cold water anytime water gets in mm. his ears yeah. and so for him yeah. racing an iron man is tough because he could just get yeah. out of the water and not even be able to like function but i heard that snorkels might be allowed in the swim for the age group race if you've got okay. a need for it so uh,
1: okay. we could that see snorkels yeah. <clears throat> you can like document that hey, this condition let me do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's for like a, like cause of a disease. So it makes sense to allow some of this. So to snorkels point, it's, it's a valid tool. And I think you guys have identified the basics that every triathlete should use the finger paddles. Uh, that's a great topic
1: too. Yeah. It's, it's the smallest investment you can do It is to improve your swimming. And I think your overall race, to be honest, it's uh yeah, it does make a difference. Yeah.
0: So something I wanted to touch on quickly, um, You know, you can kind of run through this in a sequence if you want, but your your development as athlete to business entrepreneur, is this something, you know, you said you worked at some chemical plants and had another startup, but before that even, like, is this something that you knew you'd be doing well at in terms of, I want to grow up and make custom goggles? Like, how did that... (laughs) transition of life experience turn into this aspect where what did you really want to do when you thought you knew what you wanted to do um
1: it's a good question i think the, you forget that as why i'm like
0: i always forget what i wanted to do but i think it's cool to reminisce on where you thought you'd be uh versus where you are
1: so i really like to uh i think the thing that has characterized um most of what i've done in my life um is that I get um I need to to uh, to move and create create things I'm not a creator as a content creator or uh building things but I love to keep my house plans, right I love to see them grow I love to see the business grow I love to start up something and then exec- and, and be part of that uh, move things forward.
0: Um well your fiddle leaf fig tree behind you looks very healthy.
1: And it's one and I think we have six in the office. Oh so nice. Yeah. Don't don't let don't let me get into that. <laughs> um, but um uh it was actually some fig trees we bought like at a place that sold dying fig trees so I took them in it was like a nursery and then back to life. So uh, i I feel good about myself. Yeah. Um anyway I think um the uh, and there's some connections to Triathlons and why I got so hooked on that sport. I, I, was, I came from soccer, then I was challenged by my cousin to do a bike race in France, La Mamut, where you go over uh, you start up uh, um, uh, Caldemandon and then you go down, do Telegraph, then you do Gallipe and address. It's an amazing race, pretty tough. Still they uh, still have it. Yeah, it runs every year. I've done wow. it four, four times or something like that. Uh, but that was my first venture into endurance sport and got me hooked because I got hooked in the process, right? It's not yeah. like you can say, okay, I want to be an Ironman and then poof, you go out and do an Ironman. But it's a process that you need to enjoy the process, right? And it's the same whether you start your own business or you do an Ironman. You have to break it up. You have to enjoy the process. Otherwise, it will kill you, right? Yeah. You have to enjoy being in it and thrive in that. Stressful environment, and I think that is like the um, uh, that's kind of the the trade that goes through most of the things that I've done. Uh, also, when I work with mergers and acquisitions, it was um, it's not like uh, you, you also need like to have a job offer, but I was really excited to work with mergers and acquisitions in house in a company for. Co- for a company, for the chemical company, and for the media business that I worked at, because it was like you, you worked on some big projects and you have to see them come alive, and develop, and turn into something. It was not that if I wasn't a and acquisitions advisor that was part of a project for three months, helped close a deal, and then on to the next thing. I would never thrive in that environment. I would be like, hey, how did it do when, when those two companies merged? Or, when that company bought that company or something I wanted to be close to that. And, um, and that, that really like, that's a trait that goes, goes through most of the things that I do and get excited about.
0: I think, I think I noticed that also with the CEO success rate within our sport, we get a lot of people who are already successful in life and they've done amazing Mm -hmm. things with their companies and families, but, they want to identify as a triathlete more than anything, I think, because mm. from, from the ground up, you're starting with soil and then you're starting to seed it with different aspects and you have to nurture it consistently. You can't be nurturing it for one week and then forget about it for a couple months. It will not happen. And that's the same with business. So mm. I can see why the success paths for you know, those over 30 mm. um, years of age are really starting to dominate the triathlete ranks because they've been successful. They've, you know, you had to have some, some extra cash to put into this, obviously mm. uh, not for your product, because it's still in the big scheme of things. Magic five goggles are very affordable compared to those $10,000, $20,000 bikes that folks are buying out. Mm. So it's like, why, why wouldn't you, I mean, if you want to improve your experience, just like you want to do with your bike and your wheels, like, that's why you invest into the products that are designed to make you the best version of yourself. So I think that's why we see all these trends and you've been so successful within the market because you're part of the market as Mm -hmm. a consumer, but also because you see, like you relate with these other athletes who are doing the same thing. So it's been cool to understand inception to growth, to troubles, to now where you are. And I guess 10 years is a long way away but Mm. where would you all if you had you know forecasting out if you could have four steps to put in place to get you someplace in 10 years what Mm. might that look like
1: um we'd like to be to do what we do with goggles but for other products too so if you have (laughs) products where fit comfort ties into performance of the product like Is a better fitting shoe a better shoe? Maybe, maybe not. Is a a better fitting helmet a better helmet? Maybe, maybe not, right? Um, But how do we turn our company into a destination that you go to to get the product where customization makes a difference? Uh, So we will never be, or you should never say never, but (laughs) probably never be... A direct competitor to Nike and Adidas, right? It's a completely different mass market, five thousand different products on the shelves, right um, But if we could stand next to them, a smaller drop in the ocean and only have thirty products, but all those products and everything you get through the Magic Five is differentiated based on fit and comfort and and that leads to a better performing product that's, that's our vision. That's what we want to do. Right. Um, yeah. I have one of your,
0: I have one of the technology pieces you should invest in right here. I'm ready based on personal experience. (laughs) So here you are, you've, uh, you've an athlete, you're moving all the time. You're I'm standing right now. Uh, you're sitting, Mm. sitting is the worst thing ever for a triathlete, for an athlete, for a person. How do we develop, and this is going to be funny, I'm sure, but how do we scan the sitting area to where we develop a custom sitting thing that supports my posture and spinal columns to my body on an airplane? Because I, like, if I could not ever air travel, if I could teleport and it would cost everything I ever owned, I think I would just do it. Because eight eight hours to 10 hours to 24 hours sitting in between air travel, like, I would pay any amount of money to to make that experience better.
1: Yeah, well, it's a it's a good um, it's a good uh, it's a really good point. I think that uh, we have some low practical barriers that you got to scan the uh, butt. Exactly, and it's <laughs> the same when <laughs> when when uh, female swimmers has reached out and said, oh, "I really want to get like a custom swimsuit." Like, yeah, that's a really good idea, but. Then you need to scan the part yeah. of the body where customization makes a difference. Like, we're not in that business design. yet, guys. We're not doing it. Yet. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people also, when we announced our partnership with Kenyon, there was a lot of discussions online that are oh, they going to make custom saddles? That's not what we're going to do. I can, I can, I can, I'll announce that. I can't say what we're going to do with them. It, it is super exciting, but um, there is someone, something to the behind of the of the body that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, I just hate that. sitting so much. It just
0: ruins my entire flight sometimes. Cause try, I don't know. I have like, I hate the airline industry with how they package us in like worthless sardines and just give us mm. peanuts and expect, well, we upgraded you for an extra three inches of yeah. comfort. <laughs> like, yes. so anyways, that's a tangent, but um, I think you're right. Part, partnerships aside, um, the Canyon announcement, I think that's great to bring that up. That was cool. Um, obviously a very driven company for performance and eliminating all the barriers that people just are easily avoiding, um, with their technology and, and partnerships. So can't wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it's awesome. And I'm sure your, your athletes that are patrons to magic five that are professional. I mean, I'm sure they're going to help skyrocket that growth.
1: Yeah. I think I think we have a lot of things in common with Canyon, which is I gotta ask Daniel what this is all about. Yeah, then I'll I'll have to remind him that he can't say anything. Does you have an NDA? I'll I'll get in there. Uh, no, uh, maybe I should send one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: Well, um, yeah. well, I've taken a, I've taken a good chunk of your morning, so I I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I think we've really got a lot out of this episode for. For the business side of it, how it integrates, why it's a product that is valuable within our industry and the swim industry, and obviously multiple facets outside of that just for technology. And it's been proven. Like, the main thing for me is I want athletes and listeners to know like, this is a tough, tough industry to be in, especially right now when the economy is already stressed. And still, the, the entry point to, to what you all produce to make a big difference on their experience is super low in terms of investment and the customer aspect of it, what you guys are always trying to focus on the customer and make sure Mm -hmm. everybody, and I know this, you know, I'm not even jokingly. I know this because I know somebody on your customer service team who literally will do anything to make sure that the customer, even the silliest question is taken care of. You know, one, one thing we laughed about, and I have to say this as, as a final point is I think, he told me that he got a a question from a customer that was like, I love the goggles. They're great. Um, I just have one question. Is there a a set of goggles that just don't have the magic five logo over the lens? Because it's a little bit hard to see when I'm swimming when the magic, (laughs) but those little plastic plastic lens covers,
1: they they have to remove them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We Uh, we, We actually had a really funny one yesterday too. Someone reaching out, complaining about the goggles not fitting. And then we was like, okay, let's do a deep dive. Send us pictures. Tell us why it doesn't work. And then we got the pictures back, and she was wearing the goggles upside down. Oh, and it was no. just like, come on. But uh, yeah, it's uh, or or like a
0: maybe like a six-year-old who is like, we don't have goggles for six-year-olds right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a uh, maybe it we'll come at some point.
0: But... We're working on getting my thirteen-year-old daughter a
1: pair, though. So she we're working. Yeah, we're yeah. working on that. Um... Should Should I just address why? Why we don't do kids, kids' goggles?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
1: perfect way. Um, the way we make the goggles is um, the gasket of the goggle is uh, basically cut by robots to mimic the exact curvature of the socket. So when we get the goggles from our first step in the production line, the goggle looks like this. Oh, that's just a chunk of rubber they got a mill. It's a three-inch gasket. I'll give this to the robot, and the robot goes in with a wire and cut the curvature of the gasket wow. to reflect your eye socket. And that process happens right over here with with four robots here in Brooklyn, just produce goggles all the time. It means that the frame of the goggle is this size right this is yeah
0: so it has to be strong enough and robust enough to handle that machining also
1: yeah, yeah. It, and and it definitely is but the frame the size of the frame is just too big for a kids face so and that's why we say hey this size goggle we can we can customize the gasket to any adults and there's some outliers has really really small faces and that's that's the majority of our uh, refunds. If someone has a too small face. It's difficult for for our technology. What we could do to make kids goggles is to make a slightly smaller frame and introduce that to the market. That's what we're working on. Okay. And just to give that explanation, uh, that all the all the all the goggles that we make have a custom gasket that will fit your eye socket. But we try to keep as many things standard as possible to keep the price point low, right? Uh, Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you'll have to have a completely different machine with different tolerances, and adjusting between the regular size to that is probably a lot of extra work. So you'd have to have a whole other dedicated assembly process for those goggles, which is probably another large investment.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's what's what's holding us back.
0: But it sounds like you've got the problem solved. It's just a matter of time before we see that happen. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's time and probably Cool. All right. Well, Rasmus, awesome to have you. We're going to have a sequence of magic five athletes, um, professional athletes that you all work with. I'm Mm -hmm. going to bring them on. Also we're going to talk about their lives and how they've integrated with you as a company. So if you're listening now, you can look forward to hearing some more about the magic five in the coming months as we start to dig into you know i don't know who we're going to bring on i'm trying to get jan for cell phone number so maybe he'll come on maybe we'll get someone else just as cool i'd love to get lauren brandon or ben um daniel's been on before i guess most of these athletes have been on before but we just yeah. need to i want to know their experience with you all a little bit more and give them a chance to talk about why it's influenced their decisions in terms of selecting a goggle.
1: yeah well i <clears> would not so. have- I would love to hear that from, from them as well. That's right. Uh, yeah. We'll get
0: them on. So thanks for your time and keep going, keep innovating. And if we'll put show notes, if anyone's mm-hmm. interested, we'll put um, our team discount for this promo. Um, we'll make sure that you get the website, the Shark Tank episode in there. Also, if you want to see how that went for those guys, I'll I'll link that in there. Um, but th- it's been a pleasure getting to know you, man. Thanks for coming on.
1: Likewise, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And... Christmas is just coming up so you made a lot of time for this I appreciate it
1: uh, it's good it's all good all right buddy thank you okay. thanks
0: I got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one man mission trying to see it through